Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is AEW Unrestricted. We're in Jacksonville on location. Super, super fucking hot Jacksonville. Are you sick of this place yet, Tommy? F-bomb. It's nine seconds yeah. into the show. Nine seconds. Jeez. It's like a new record, right? Speaking of F-bomb. Because she is the podcasting bitch. Podcasting oh. queen. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> First you call me a queen, then you call okay. me a bitch. This is unrestricted, as you can tell from her language. Tony, I love you. I love you, too. Oh, that's so nice. Okay. Speaking of love, I just wanted to do a quick pitch over to AEW Heels. It's this new group. Very female-focused community uh, that we're building here. Super, super awesome. Uh, Membership-based. We've got awesome events, dance parties, makeup tutorials. Like, we have mental health discussions. Super, super great. Definitely check it out. AllEatHeels.com. Come hang out with us. It's super awesome. Anyway, back to the F-bombs. We're here to podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of F, we've got FTR in the house. What's up, guys? Hey, how are you? Thanks for that introduction. That was All awesome. Right. I only swore like five times. Well, it, it guys, uh, it's great having you here. Absolutely. Needless to say, man, it just it, excited when I found out you were going to be coming here. Oh, so bummed. And uh, I know uh, from from watching you in the past uh, how great you guys are in the ring and how much you've meant to the tag team scene here in AEW. So wow. it's just great being Thank you, Tony. You guys. I don't. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to take compliments from someone that I have respected and looked up to and watched my whole career. Yeah. So, but I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. not not just saying it because we're here, but yesterday, yeah. matter, walking right, in the hall, we, we, we passed you and said hello, and then when we kept going, we just talked about how you're better now than you've ever been. Yeah. I told and you that a couple well, of weeks yeah, ago. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate that. It's I, I, I feel this way, and, and I hear that a lot of, you know, that, Shivani, you're better than you've ever been. And here's the reason, because the talent, is, I'm happy, that's number one, but the talent is good. And, and I, yes. really think, I really think that the announcers are only as good as the, as the talent in the ring. If the talent sucks, the announcers will try their best to elevate it, right. and then we'll, we'll send a, end up sounding really phony. Yeah, we can tell you you believe in what you're selling. Yeah, you're exactly. Not, you're not trying to sell exactly. snake oil, which that's, is, right. you know, right. it, it shows through. And, and you guys are a big part of that. And to be honest with you, I, uh, I, was, that, I was not that familiar with uh, what you guys were doing in the WWE until Arn Anderson said, he said, these guys... Oh, these guys are tremendous. You need to, he said, and they're North Carolina guys too. <laughs> I said, well, that always works. Yep. Because that's the old Jim Crockett uh, promotions territory. Mm-hmm. I so, was so, so personally excited to have you guys here because like, I, I think I've told you after the match at a mm-hmm. private party, but like, I personally hated refing tag team wrestling, especially on the Indies because it's completely chaotic and mm-hmm. they just do whatever, right? So <laughs> I was like, oh dude, FTR is here. I'm going to learn so much because the first time I ever saw you guys live was versus, um, Angle and Jordan in Dallas. Not Angle. No, baby, baby Angle. Baby Angle. Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, you were there. Yeah, I was totally there. It was it was that's a crazy, a, incredible cool. match. But I'm like, oh my god, like I was intimidated. I'm like, these guys are really good. I'm gonna suck. Well, but it's awesome. I feel like I've already learned so much. We appreciate that. Yeah. And I think like a lot of the guys that we're working with now, and I, I think there's some of them that still have a little bit of apprehension mm-hmm. towards us. Because I think that they think, oh, here are these old WWE guys coming in. They're going to change. It's going to try to change the culture, and that's not the case at no, all. No, right. um, not negatively. Know, yeah, it, the gimmick is FTR, follow the rules, and things like that. And it is part of our gimmick. But in real life, we believe that. We really do believe that because it's easy for you to go out there, and a lot of guys think it's creative to get four guys in the ring, or six guys in the ring, or eight guys in the ring, and do a whole bunch of stuff. And they think that's the creative part. But to me, to us, the creative part is having boundaries and having rules and working in those rules so the fans can follow it. Because if Michael Jordan steps out of bounds, or I guess now if LeBron James steps out of bounds, people say, oh, the whistle blew because he stepped out of bounds. Same thing with us. If, uh, if we didn't hold the tag rope and make a tag, Aubrey Edwards steps in and says no, you know, and people can say, oh, well, that's because of this. Sure. So it's it's just part of the storytelling aspect for us. Yeah, right? we need we need everybody to play their role. Right. And 
like I said, people think it's creative to get four guys involved without it making sense, but it's not. The creativity is making it make sense or finding ways around the rules with the distraction with the referee. But mm -hmm. that's when you know you're it's good. not just about us, and it's not just about us getting our stuff in. We have a whole group of people out there that have a job to do, and it's our job and our responsibility to make sure that they can do theirs effectively. We got to give you authority. Mm -hmm. We got to make sure people respect the referee because mm -hmm. if it's UFC. If you touch a referee or you disrespect a referee, yeah. then you you pay Get for it. the fuck that. out, yeah. You actually have pay make, for it, right? It's yeah. a lie. We have, <laughs> Tony, we have Tony who has to tell our story for us. Jericho owes me so much money. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Tony has to tell our story for us. And if we're making his job impossible to do, then it's not going to come across well. And nobody's going to be able to follow it. So we have to do our part so you can do your part so mm -hmm. he can do his part. Right. It's, it's a group effort. And if sure. we're in it just for ourselves, then nobody wins. Right. In, in all my years in wrestling, I learned a lot from, from really two people, believe it or not. One was Bill Watts, and Bill Watts could be a very difficult person, but he taught me a lot about wrestling. Another was Ole Anderson, and, and Ole was a booker for, for WCW. Badasses. Yeah, but I know. Ole was a booker for WCW, we're talking about the early 90s. And he used to say, he used to get so mad at guys, he says, if you're going to cheat, if you're going to do something that's illegal, make sure the referee's back is turned. Mm -hmm. because, yeah. because that is, that because you're a heel. Right. Okay, and you would try to, you know, get around the referee, and and so if the ref sees us cheating and we get disqualified, right? In wrestling psychology, we lose, which means we get less money, right? And and also like going off of exactly what you just said, the fans today they are smart, obviously. They, sure, they're yes. smart to the they business and they get it and they understand. So they're never gonna they're never gonna hate us. They're never gonna hate us as heels. Right. But we can make them feel a certain way and get lost in the movie, get lost in the. And, and, and the portrait we're trying to paint and make them care so much about these baby faces, right. feel a certain way about these baby faces, that they want to see these baby faces beat us. Right. And that's where the money is, is the baby faces beating us. Sure. Um, so exactly what you said, if we can get the fans to say, oh, why do they have to do that? Or they don't have to do that right. or whatever, you know, right. and they care so much and even subconsciously care so much about these baby faces, mm -hmm. they want to see them beat us because they care about it. And if, right. if we cheat in front of the referee, if Aubrey sees us cheat, the heat's not on us anymore. It's on me. The heat's on the referee for not right. doing a good job. Exactly. So then it, it's all null and void. Like we don't get the heat that we should be getting for breaking the rules. The referee gets heat for not doing their jobs correctly, and the baby faces get nothing out of it. They, like the, the attention is drawn away from them now, and everything is directed at the referee. So if you're gonna do it, do it right, so you everybody comes out looking better than before. Where did you where did you guys get this psychology from? Yeah, just all the years watching wrestling. I think so. I think it just yeah. it just it just subconsciously happened. Um, right. I don't know. I, I would watch things, and sometimes I, I like I had this notebook, and I would write down because we would get made in North Carolina, even in two thousand and ten, yeah. we would get made fun of by Ricky Morton or by uh, by Bobby Eaton or Dennis Condry or George, George South. South. Mm -hmm. We would get made fun of if they saw us calling our match in the back. So mm -hmm. I always took a, I had a notebook and I would write, I would watch Flair and Steamboat. Mm -hmm. They would do tackle, drop down, leapfrog, baseball slide, takeoff, uh, body slam, kickoff, arm drag, arm drag, and I would write that spot down and I would think to myself, how can I call that in a match? You know, in, in the best boy, in the best way. In the ring. Yes, in the right. ring. Right. And so I would think, okay, tackle, drop down, whatever. And then uh, I would look through them and then I'd say, I think it was uh, honestly the first time I got like psychology and understood what it was. I was watching Brett versus Bulldog from SummerSlam '92 for the hundredth time, and uh, yeah, and <laughs> I'm actually the, the, so well. yeah, the first time uh, Bulldog gave Brett a crucifix pin, one, two, kick out, and then arm drug, uh, gave him an arm drag and, and a hold, and then uh, through the heat he started to come up a little bit. He took off. Brett went for the clothesline again. Bulldog cooked him for the crucifix again, and Brett dropped him with a Samoan drop. And a light, uh, uh, the light went off in my head, and I was like, that's the simple form. That's wrestling psychology. Mm -hmm. And so now I just tried to that's, – that's kind of where I got it from, Sure. just being a nerd, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. But we were lucky to, to be in the Carolinas where there are the guys he's named that have been around for 20-plus years yeah. that cared enough to take the time to tell us if we did something wrong right or if we were like if we were to have a match with them they could explain something to us like oh no we can't do that here it doesn't and I'm like oh wow like you have these epiphanies like it's just it was just show after show 
being lucky enough to work with guys who are smarter than you. Yeah, mm -hmm. smarter than us, better than us, and had been trained the right way in a time period where the fans did believe and mm -hmm. they they knew how to pull the strings just the right way, the right yeah. time to get the right reactions. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm from Virginia, so I grew up watching long before you guys, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling and being able to work with Flair and Blackjack Mulligan and Wahoo and Arn and well, not Arn because I started working with him, but but Ole Anderson. And I, w I was amazed about the talent back then because here's how they set up their matches. In a house show, heels were in one dressing room, baby face in the other, and the referee ran between them. And that's how they Here's the and that's how they worked their match. I think they knew the finish, and they they just and they went in and they did a match. Mm -hmm. You know, it was amazing. That's insane. I think it's amazing. One of the things that made it so different then, as opposed to now, is that there were no guaranteed contracts. So if mm. you if you weren't doing your job correctly, and the fans weren't buying into what you were selling, and mm -hmm. there there weren't butts in seats, yep. then you didn't get paid. You got paid off the house, and if you guys were doing something right, and the story was hot. Mm -hmm. Fans were paying to come see you, and if you were doing something piss poor, the fans weren't going to come by, and that that was affecting your bottom dollar. So I think these guys figured out how to make the fans care about their baby faces, hate their heels, respect the authorities, and that was what made the business what it was at that time. That's absolutely insane. Let's talk about you guys. How hard was it? Difficult was it to keep keep it a secret that you were signing with the AEW? I mean, I, we saw, and, and, and being the elite, we you know we kept seeing FDR, I mean, FDR. Fuck the revival but, multiple times. Yeah, we kind of knew this was inevitable. But sometimes what you hear and see on being the elite doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. For us, I think it was fairly easy because there wasn't any leaks in the office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Putting something out there every time there was a disagreement or a contract offer turned down or something along those lines. Right. Because we can be as tight-lipped as we need to be, especially when it's something that's going to affect us. Yeah, respecting the business. Yeah, too. right. And everyone's so, bottom line, right? Like, exactly. you guys being on our show brings new fans. We all make more money. Yeah, there's, like, there's nothing in it for us to spoil the, our own surprise. No. So, that's why spoilers are bad, so I don't know. spoil shows. I know my my mom was very upset with me. You didn't tell her? No. That's awesome. Didn't didn't tell my wife was the only one that knew. I didn't tell anybody. Wow, that's, that's like, tremendous. That's the, how it should be, though, because there is there aren't many surprises left in wrestling. No, not and like people like assumed because there was like the the history with us and the Bucks, and there was the FTR stuff on BTE. The but twist. no one really had any idea, and we weren't one hundred percent sure until we were, you know, one hundred percent sure. Still <laughs> right, inks on paper, right? Yeah, yeah. So talk about the rebranding of the tag team name. Uh, I think it was something we thought about for a very long time. Really? Uh, yeah. In January of 2019, we actually, that was the beginning mm -hmm. of us asking for our release. Mm -hmm. um, we had just come back from a match. Uh, we had asked to speak with Vince. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, you know, TV is, is a very busy day. Oh, yeah. um, so we kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally, we had a match on Raw. And um, we came back sweaty in our, in our trunks. Um, and we walked right through the curtain, walked right up to Vince and Hunter and said, can we talk to you guys for five minutes? Uh, Vince couldn't leave because he was, you know, producing a show, yeah. a television show. Hunter said, I'll give you, or I'll be there in five minutes. So we waited outside. He comes and talks to us and we asked, you know, we, we politely asked for our release. Initially, I think he thought we were bluffing. Yeah. He said, yeah, okay, well, you can have it. You know, go talk to Mark Carano. We'll get everything set up. Mm. So we did that. The next day we got a phone call that said it's not happening. So anyway, uh, what I'm getting at is from January 2019, we had an uh, you know we had an idea of what we wanted to do. I had already. I'm always thinking about wrestling. It's almost. It, you don't say. Yeah, it's it's almost um, almost. It's almost disgusting how much I, I think about it and how much I care about it and how much I love it. Um, so I had set. I would sit at my kitchen table and I had my laptop and I would write up ideas. Um, for us and how we would, at the time there was no AEW, mm -hmm. there were talks of it, but there was no AEW, but how we would transition from uh, Monday Night Raw to either the Indies or whatever was next. Mm -hmm. I had so many ideas, so I'd always thought yeah. about it. Before AEW was announced, they announced it at midnight on January 1st, we had already applied for the FTR trademark mm. because we knew that we weren't going to be able to have the revival, we knew we wouldn't be able to have Dash and Dawson and all that right, stuff. Right. 
and we had talked about it. Like we had tons of five-hour car rides going from show to show. We we're like, what do we do? Like, do we use FTR as the name if we ask for a release? And because we weren't sure at this point, this was probably November, December, twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, we went ahead and filed the trademark because we we decided like I think that's the way to go because we can have different acronyms for different things and there's a lot of different ways we can run with that and it's creative and gives us leeway. So we filed for that and then AEW was announced and we're like, oh, we're not getting out of here. Like, <laughs> They're going to keep you asked, in. Asked anyway. <laughs> like, cause we didn't know what we wanted to do. We just knew we wanted to go out and bet on ourselves. Right. But as soon as we heard that was announced, we're like, oh yeah, they're not letting anybody go anytime soon. Sure. We, we asked anyway, like I said, they initially said yes, then there was a change of heart and it was another 15 months before. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. Oh boy. Wow. We were very persistent though. We asked <laughs> once a month, maybe. We tried to get, uh, <laughs> we tried to get producers and writers to fight us. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's true, we yeah. would get on the mic when we were going over our stuff and we would like, <laughs> I remember one time I was going over this promo and I had the mic and we were cutting it for everyone, you know, to, to do a run through or whatever. And Hunter's standing there and Michael Hayes is there and um, Johnny Ace is there. I'm surprised he wasn't on Vince, but he was actually there. Yeah, I will say that. Oh, like, it's kind of a stooge patrol. Yeah. Right <laughs> so I'm standing there and cutting my promo, and the promo that they wrote for us, and the angle that we were going into was so bad, and I finished, and I said, who in the fuck wrote this? Martin Gort Scorsese? And I put the mic down, and then we got called into the office with Bruce Prichard. And, oh, of course. Um, and Triple H. I, I remember sitting in catering one day with uh, one of the guys who was going to be on TV that night. I won't say his name, but he's one of our good friends. And it was just the two of us at this table. We're both eating. And this writer, like he's a, the guy is to my right. Mm -hmm. The writer walks up on my left, mm -hmm. reaches over me and my food to shake the other guy's hand and doesn't acknowledge me at all. Wow. And I was just in, I was already not in a great mood. Yeah. And I just lost my shit. Yeah. Like I said, don't you ever reach over somebody yeah. in any setting. It's just sure. disrespectful. Over their food, over them, ignore like the fact that they're even there. And have a conversation with somebody who's already in mid conversation. Yeah, you can so you can come in and say, "Hey, sorry, sorry, carry on." Yeah, but don't ever disrespect somebody like that. Yeah, because I'm not gonna put up with that shit. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna kill somebody soon." <laughs> yeah, so, well, we're really glad you got out of there. Yes, are we ever? Uh, we're talking with FTR, and we're, I want to talk about the early days of you guys being together. Uh, when we continue on unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. You can subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss an episode. And why would you want to miss anything that Aubrey Edwards is on? I dropped so many F-bombs. You sure do. <laughs> okay, and that's one of the reasons, many reasons I love you. Uh, like, I'm sorry, like you. <clears throat> sorry, HR. Please leave sorry, us a Lois. rating. <laughs> Boy, thanks for bringing up that name. <laughs> and ruining my freaking day. Uh, please leave us a rating and review where, while you're there. Uh, we've got FTR here with us. Both wrestled in North Carolina in the indie scene. Uh, talk about the early days of being together. Um, well, actually, on the indies, we really didn't work uh, together very much. Really, I, I was on the coast; he was in the mountains. We knew of each other, and you right. know, we we had we exchanged uh, pleasantries, and but we didn't. We never really worked together. Um, we met. Uh, I, we were at a WWE trial together. We had a match. We called it in the ring. Yeah, they let us go for. They just told us to keep going and keep going. We just kept going. Had an incredible match. Uh, I got signed from there, and he went to England. And that's kind of where we our friendship formed. That's awesome. uh, that was maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. That's sure. when we really started discussing the idea of being a tag team. Like We were aware of each other, and we had like interactions here and there, but that was one of the first times we'd spent... A, long, a, a lot of a time together and we traveled together yeah we traveled together we got to talk and we realized how much we really had in common about like our vision of wrestling yeah. and like you said we had the match that day and it, everybody else ended up having like four minute matches and they just kept let us Scott Armstrong was our referee and he's like I want you guys to keep going just keep, keep working keep going keep working. Yeah. ended up being like a decent amount of time we got done, we're like, wow, that was fun. And anything more than four minutes in a tryout setting is yeah. kind of insane. Yeah. Like anything more than four minutes on TV yeah. is insane. Regal, right? Regal was one of these guys who had helped me a lot before that. Like mm -hmm. he, he, you know, and he had just gotten me like booked on a tour of England for the first time. So they came up to us and talked to us about doing like, come to get signed. And Regal was like, I want him to go to Florida and I want him to go to England and get some more international experience. 
So I did a little bit more internationally, and then we met up down there. We we communicated off and on for a few years until I got there, and we had like a premise of what we wanted to do, and luckily they were on board from the get-go. So I think yeah. you guys have said previously on other interviews and whatnot that Dusty was really pushing for you two to be together. Yeah. What's it like to kind of come in full circle now? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's wild, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I guess cool. the roads is a... Uh, well, I don't know if I could say that. <laughs> no, well, talk about your relationship with Dusty and talk about uh, the first time you met him. Yeah. Uh, well, I met him in 2012, and I think he saw this 5'10 North Carolina guy walk in and... You know, he didn't see much in him, obviously, and I, you know, I don't blame him. I don't blame anybody mm-hmm. because you know I'm nothing special um, until until the damn bell rings, and then then you're special. And then boom. I'm special. Boom. Uh, and, but but he saw that, uh, so we had a relationship, and and also I think he liked the fact that I was the antithesis of what Vince liked mm. uh, from from uh, body stature to to height to uh, my my southern accent. I think right. he really liked that. Um, right. So we, we formed a bond very quickly. Um, and, you know, I'd always ask him questions and, and talk about the mid-Atlantic stuff. But then he, you know, he, he saw us together. We, we cut a promo together. He saw us together. And then he told us, don't ever leave each other's side. Aww. Always be together. You know, so everyone sees you together. And they can, they can put it in their own mind that we need to have them together. Mm-hmm. Then we had matches. Um, and uh, he would always call us at his office. And we'd hang out and talk about Willie Nelson. And... I remember two days before he passed away, I was in the trainer's room with Sammy Zane, and uh, he walked from the office into the trainer's room, and he had just watched a match with uh, me and uh, I want to say uh, this guy named Wesley Blake. Mm. We just had a singles match for some reason. I don't know why you and I weren't tagging, but uh, we had a singles match. Maybe you weren't. No, I think I was up with my elbow. Maybe. maybe, yeah. Anyway, so we had this match, and he walks in, and he said... Uh, he said, um, I want everybody to know this. And my name was not Dax then. Yeah. Uh, but he said, this guy right here is the best talent this company has. There's nobody else who can have the match that he that I just watched that he had. And he could work with anybody in this this building. He, he deserves to be a millionaire. And he said it right in front of Sami Zayn. And uh, that was one of my proudest moments yeah. as a professional wrestler. And then two days later, he wow. passed away. Yeah. That that sucked, but I always have that memory yeah. of him putting me over. So that's yeah, that, that's tremendous. So uh, I'm sure you learned a lot from him about. I mean, he was the greatest, one of the greatest promos ever. Oh yeah. I mean, it was real. It was authentic. He believed it. He brought you in, and I'm sure you learned a lot doing promos from him. Right? Yeah. I mean, didn't he run promo school? Yeah, I was just about to say it was never the same after he passed. Obviously, like mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that. No matter who you bring in, he's going to be very hard to replace because he's not just a good promo, mm-hmm. but he's a great mind and yeah. he's a great person and he wanted everybody to succeed. Like, And that's a combination you're not going to find very much of, no matter how good of a talker you bring in to sit in the seat that he sat in. Like, Just his view and his way of coaching his kids, as he called them, mm-hmm. he coaches to bring the best out of them. And like he, did, he wouldn't just say, this is how I would do it. He would find a way to make it natural for the person doing it because a lot of people come in there and they're not comfortable. You, you stand in front of a group of your peers in a very unnatural setting and you have to try to be as natural as possible and it's not easy. And he, he found a way to put people at ease and to say, you know what, try this, try that. What, 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 what are your interests? What are your likes? What are your hobbies? And just he was able to bring that out of people and it, nobody from the time he passed until we left could fill his shoes. Yeah, that's something I, uh, he was instrumental in my career too, very much so. Uh, you guys mentioned Bret Hart, and I know well, you're fans of Bret Hart. You got any feedback from him since you've come aboard here? Oh yeah, I, yeah. We, we uh, it's crazy because you mentioned his name and immediately I smile, which is, yeah. it's kind of weird yeah. when I think about it. But uh, every time I get a text from him, um, usually my wife is right beside me and immediately his name will pop up and his name in my phone is Brett fucking Hart. <laughs> so immediately it pops up, I show my wife the text. Yeah. I think of this, whether he sends me a, a happy birthday text or, uh, you know, when we, whenever we finally got our release, they granted our release, he sent me this long, beautiful text and it uh, almost brought me to tears, but he told me how proud he was of us. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he said, it's very hard to, 
in this business to stand up for yourself, but you guys did, and you always stood up for what you believed in, and I'm very proud of you that you did until the day you left. Mm -hmm. And that was that meant so much to me. And that that was the moment that I knew we made the right decision right. to to leave. Uh, whenever the guy, the the king of standing up for himself, the guy who punched Vince in the face, yep. yeah. takes time out of his day to text me and tell me how proud he is that we yeah. stood yeah, for ourselves. It's always surreal, like right. hearing from him, getting feedback, and right. I know. Hall of Fame weekend that weekend right. in New York he was there like Sunday for the pay-per-view and he called me and Dax over to his table and catering and he had this idea for a spot he wanted us to do and so we just sat there and just listened to him talk about ways they did it him and Anvil and how to make it work and how it has to be executed and all this and just he was like oh, I think it only fits for you guys to use it I think no one else can pull it off, and we're like, ah. I'll stop, Brett. What, what's your What's your favorite Bret Hart match of all time? You got one? Uh, I do, but okay. it's a controversial one because I think some people either love it or they hate it. There's mm -hmm. no one that says, uh, I, it's okay. Well, that's the beauty of wrestling. Yeah, but I love the 60-minute uh, Ironman match with Sean. Oh. Uh, the storytelling and the physicality and, um, you know, and... and Two guys trying to, it was kind of like the matches we had with Alpha. Two guys and with us, two teams, trying to outwork each other and outdo each other. And there's some people who say, oh, that match is so boring. In my opinion, if you think that that match is boring, boring, that, that is your opinion, but my opinion is you're a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. uh, because they have, I mean, there are, t there are times where they slow it down, but you have to, you can't go a million miles a minute for every map especially match. a 16 minute match you yeah. have to pace it but then you work these beautiful holds and you get out of these beautiful holds and that's the beauty of professional wrestling right. and they did and they knew when to pick it up and they knew when to drop it and they knew when to lay in their, their lifters and their kicks and their forearms and uh, to me that's that that's my favorite match ever yeah I think okay. just based off of like how I felt watching it as a fan Tim and Austin the I Quit match yeah oh. I mean, it's a beautiful match regardless, but that was a very influential time in my life as far as wrestling and what I wanted to do with my life. Right. And I was a huge Brett fan. I was a huge Austin fan, and I bit on everything they wanted me to bite on, right. and I fell for the switch. And the, the uh, fan, They manipulated the fans, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They, yeah it's sure. the epitome of what wrestling psychology and storytelling is, Yeah. and I, I was along for the ride every step of the way. Like I was invested in Brett, and then I started to have like this ill will towards him because of the way he was acting. And then by the end of that match, I was completely switched, just like they had wanted it. Not so. me. I sent him a drawing. <laughs> I sent him a drawing of the, this, this was a few months later, but I sent him a drawing of the Hart Foundation. And I How said- How old were you? Oh, I was, I don't know, 97, so I was maybe 12, I guess. Okay, okay. Uh, but I sent him this drawing of the Hart Foundation. On the top I said, Brett, you're the only person who can bring Canada and America back together. Oh. Please do. And at the bottom I said, but if you don't, I'll still love you. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you never got it. But. Wow. That's wonderful. That, that's a great story. Uh, your Twitter accounts are, are pretty great. Oh, so you're going to stand <laughs> it up for yourself. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> the way you deal with the trolls and the way you deal with each other. Uh, talk about social media for us. Um, it's not Shivani-esque, though. <laughs> <laughs> trolls. Well, um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm like, do I give them the time of day? Do right. I not give them the time of day? Uh, all they want is to be, you know, to be noticed, which is kind of sad. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, some days your, your testosterone and your, mm -hmm. your, your ego sets in and you're like, I want to show this fucking guy yeah, exactly. the deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes we have to show them the deal. Yeah. Right. Like from, for me, it's, I entertain myself more than anything. It I, pops I, me every time. I'm just yeah. like, oh, these motherfuckers. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like you said, like sometimes you know they're doing it just for the attention, and sometimes like, I think people are just real fucking morons. Yeah, right. And so, either way, depending on like my mood that day, if I'm if I'm feeling like real sarcastic, or if I've been driving for hours and I get home and I'm just like irritated, you know what? Let's do this. Yeah. Let's, let's have some fun. It makes it, it cheers me up. Right. So for me, it like just calling people out or making them look as stupid as humanly possible is fun. I mean, yeah. there's enough negativity, negativity on Twitter if you're going to get anything positive. Yeah, and we talked about it before. Like, If we were to <laughs> only respond to the positive ones, then we look like we're just like self-gratifying. Right. Just go, 
like it's not about that for me. Like I appreciate all the people that support us, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're not the ones that need to be put in their place. It's them. And you know, but some days I wonder, like, why? You know, why? Why do you take time out of your day, right, to tweet me or tweet whoever and tell me how much I'm a sucker, mm-hmm. how short we are, mm-hmm. or uh, how we're not body guys, or, or whatever, like. Brother or sister, I'm sitting at home with my wife and my daughter who I am in love with. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm a human being. I have a regular life too. Like, why do you, how are you so sad that you take time out of your day to at me and tell me how, how boring I am or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just there's something missing yeah, in their life. And that's, they're trying to build that up, right? Yeah, like, I mean, uh, we all get it. I get that. I'm too distracting. Like, that's, that's my shit. Well, I, I go back to, I, I, I can tell you why people are like this, uh, because they're, to me, there are two types of people in the world. But years ago, I got this really bad uh, tweet from a troll, and it was really, really bad. And so I looked at his profile, and he had like these Bible verses. Yeah. His profile. Oh my God. Okay. And the light went off, and I said, I just checked out your profile. Did Jesus know you're a piece of shit? <laughs> okay. So, uh, so that's what I'm saying. The people who are like that are a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. The ones I like, I don't, I don't know if you guys get this, but I think it's pretty common with, with women in wrestling where it's like, hey, beautiful, are you single? And then you go to their no, profile, never, and it I've says, like, it, it says, like, uh, wonderful husband and father. And it's like, does your wife know you're tweeting this right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's some people on there that just want to fuck around with you too. You know, oh, it's so yeah, fun. I mean, yeah, sure. So yeah, fun, right? Not, sometimes yeah. sometimes you it. just want to poke the bear. It's like the Team America thing. There's three types of people. Pussies, dicks, and assholes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, sometimes the pussies are dicks. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the dicks are assholes. Right sometimes there. asshole shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dax, I want to, uh, very briefly before we uh, go to our next segment, I want to talk about uh, your fractured jaw. And that was shot. me. I had the I had the torn bicep that's right, right after. Yeah. You guys have all had kind of like you had an oh, elbow. You had, you, had the, you had the fractured jaw. I had the jaw. He okay. Had, and then I came back, and a month later, he tore his bicep. Okay. Oh so, my god. Wow. It was a, it was a good 2017. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and oh. you had your uh, jaw wired shut for what eight weeks? Yeah. What'd you eat? Ate nothing. Drink whatever I could get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blender. Um, yeah. So for the first little bit, I didn't have much of an appetite. Like the first week and a half or so, I just wasn't hungry. I, I don't know if it was like partial depression or anxiety or just, uh, I don't know what it was. There's I, something about not chewing that just kind of makes you yeah, not hungry. I mean, if you think about it, go one day without licking your lips. Mm. Go one day without sticking your tongue out of your mouth. Like when your jaws wired shut, it's this. Right. I didn't lick my lips for eight weeks and oh, uh, I would try to go out the, the, the first or second day. I went I'm out. not the only one who wants to loop the lips right now, right? Oh, I already yeah. have five or six <laughs> I did immediately. Okay, I put my hand across my I immediately was like, how much chapstick do I have in my bag right so now? So, like, <laughs> I woke up from, like, the surgery, and after I wake up, they tell me, you know, you got this, here's your pain medicine. We gave you bolt cutters in case you vomit so you don't choke to death. And I'm like, you tell me that now? Like, right. Well, they're not going to tell you that before. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to freak so, like, you out before you go under. <laughs> I, and then I just... I didn't have an appetite and I'd lost like 14, 15 pounds in a week. And then I, I just started trying to blend up whatever I could and I Googled a, it like a cookbook mm-hmm. of somebody who had been injured and had their jaw wired shut and they had written down like a blog of everything they had while they were they were out like blended up pizza, blended up this and how to like how to make it, it taste good. Yeah, how to make it like enjoyable. So that's what I ended up doing. I just thought I would I saved it and I would go look at it and I would put a couple slices of the pizza in the blender with some water and some tomato paste and blend it up and wow, drink it right down. I tried a burger one time, it was yeah. not good. No. So I was all recommend, I do not recommend <laughs> blending up a burger and drinking it, oh, but boy. pizza, all for it. We're talking with FTR, we uh, mentioned Twitter and we have a lot of questions coming our way from Twitter to uh, Dax and Cash. This is AEW Unrestricted. We've got Dax and Cash here. Really awesome conversation so far. And I know that we've got a ton of questions from people on Twitter. I think this is my favorite list we've had so far, so let's just let's just get going. Go ahead. Uh, Sam P, if you could go back in time and wrestle a tag team from any era, what team would it be and why? Mm-hmm. You get that one a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll let you. I'll try to calm myself down so I don't bury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is where it gets good. Um, you were burying people in the hallway. Before. I know, yeah. <laughs> so I think for me, it would be a mix. It'd be a toss-up, I guess, between the Rockers and the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Just because 
both of those teams could do incredible things. Both teams were incredible baby faces, so like us being natural heels because we hate everybody, mm -hmm. I think it would mesh really well. I, if it was just a match to have a match, Midnight Express are always going to be at the top of the list for me. But if we're going to have like an actual money drawing program slash match, it's got to be. I think I'd go rock and roll. Yeah, I think uh, I think Dennis and Bobby are the greatest tag team of all time. Yep, and they are the and no one. Will, no one will give them the credit because no one really understands. But they're the catalyst for the tag team wrestling we get to see now. Before Dennis and Bobby, no one was doing the fun in and out tags and the quick tags and the and the double teams and things like that. Even though they were the uh, baddest of bad guys, they were still doing these cool double teams. But then they would finish it off with something shitty. You so you would say, "Oh God, those guys! They they were so good, but why did they have to do that?" Mm -hmm. uh, and so they are the catalyst for what tag team wrestling is today. Yeah. Um, so I think they're the greatest of all time. Uh, however, I think we would just go in there and all try to outheal each other, and mm, I don't think that would be yeah. entertaining. No. Um, <laughs> the obvious comparison between Arn and Tully, we get it, we've got it for the last six and a half years, seven yeah. years, um, and I think that as a unit, uh, as a working team, the only the only team that can come close to Arn and Tully, uh, working as a complete unit that were that good were Murdoch and Adonis. Those guys were only together for a year, but if they were together for a, you know, for a handful of years to get, they would go down as the greatest team ever. But they, those two teams, uh, Arn and Tully and Murdoch and Adonis, were so flawless together. Uh, Bobby and Dennis had these beautiful moves together, but as a, a unit, a working unit, those two are the greatest. Now, I guess to answer your question, God, <laughs> relax, Dax. Okay. Uh, but to answer your question, I would say, um, I would say, yeah, probably rock and roll or or rockers because uh, we could uh, tear the house down with them, keep the action up. But also a 1985 or 86 Ricky Morton. I don't know if anybody was better than you. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm imagining. So they, we could we could do some incredible stuff with. Right. What year was the match we were talking about the other day on a podcast? Maybe 86. The uh, Arn and Foley versus. Uh, Ricky and Robert. Yep. It was June of or July of '86. That match is such a beautiful tag team wrestling yeah. match. I mean, like and fantastic. Let me name them too because uh, they they never got over as much as Rock and Roll, but as an athlete, as an athletic tag team, uh, I think they were better than Rock and Roll, and we could have done some great stuff with those yeah. guys too. You know, it's it, it's unfortunate because I mean I'm going to really date myself because <laughs> because a lot of the stuff yeah. was erased. And a lot of TV matches back then were just, you know, enhancement matches. Yeah, but yeah. you needed to watch uh, Gene and Ole Anderson too. It's my dad's favorite. Yeah, I mean, just incredible stuff. And it's it doesn't really live anywhere. No, you know, yeah. it, it's not. You and, can still and find and some of it. You can yeah, still yeah. find it, but you can't find as much of it as you can the Rock and Roll Express yeah. and the Midnight Express and the Fantastics. And, yeah. And so. Uh, so yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, my, my dad always tells me, uh, he always tells me that Gene and Ole were the best tag team he's ever seen. He said mm -hmm. he was afraid of them as a, as a kid. He was yeah. so scared of them. Oh, yeah. I thought Dax was going to have a heart attack the other day. This isn't Gene and Ole, but he found a Midnight's match he had never seen. Mm -hmm. And it was like early Christmas for him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, uh, I haven't seen Ole in like four or five years, but you know, his health is not, not too good now. And I would love, you know, to bring him to one of our shows. And then have you two, two put the boots to him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Like, How about that, you old fucker? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck, that was just... Does Jesus know you're a piece of shit? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Every Saturday when I go to confession. Okay, he's like, oh, man, again? Uh, now, yeah, I think you've answered this, but who's the most underrated tag team of the year in the past? Would it be Murdoch and uh, Adonis? Uh... Man, I don't know. That's tough. Only because, like I said, they only teamed for a year together. Man, no, no, no. They teamed for two years together uh, from Japan to to uh, New York. I think for the time that they were together, they were rated okay, pretty fairly. But I think the Fantastics are – I don't think people understand how good they actually were because they didn't get the mainstream attention that the Rockers got right. and uh, the Rock and Roll Express got. So my, I'd say the Fantastics. I'm going to agree. Um, these, this isn't – you know, an old tag team by any means, but a tag team that I wish I could get more footage of, like more recently, would be Eminem. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. Joey Mercury's his mind for tag team wrestling was yeah. he taught us a lot early on, and his mind for tag team wrestling was unparalleled. 
and they, they you can still go back and watch some of their stuff now and you, it's unappreciated because they're so good at being like unlikable that you give all of the credit to the opponent yeah not realizing like who the actual architect of it is. Well, that's, that's part of wrestling, right? Like, yeah. it's like, oh, these guys are so good. It's like, well, it's when you're, they made When you're too good, good at being a heel, then you're going to get overlooked a lot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Arn told me one time, he said as a kid, uh, he he loved this babyface tag team, and he didn't know why he loved it. And then all of a sudden, the, the flip switched for him, and he realized, oh, it's uh, Dick Slater and Bob Orton, mm-hmm. who they were working with, who was creating all the excitement. Um, and that's with the the Dallas stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the with the Alphas. Um, at the first match we had with Dallas, Alphas, everyone praised them and how mm-hmm. great they were, and, and they are incredible. They are. They are, yes. they are I mean, the same. Favorite. Like before, I understood psychology. I'm like, these guys are so great. And then the more and more I watch wrestling, I'm like, oh. And well, we had that match, and then we had one more match with those guys, and people were like, oh, okay, wait a second. And then we had a third match, and then the people were like, "Oh, okay." Oh no, it's actually these guys that are really good. Yeah, and, and, and those Everyone guys are good, is, but it's like. But we were the one creating, just like Arnson, creating the action. Right. And then it got to the point where, like, it was saying, "Oh, you know, revival they have great chemistry with everybody." We are the chemistry, brother. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, we all know us. I uh, got it. We all know us. Uh, okay, Bruce. Uh, it's a B two. B two Darus on Twitter. B two Darus. Yeah. Did you ever think a legend? Holly Blanchard would be managing you guys. Uh, I mean, it was a pipe dream for a long time. Like we didn't think <laughs> the, the path would ever cross. Right. Like we had different ideas of what we'd do if we could, but I don't know if like you ever put a whole lot of thought into it until there's a real chance of it happening. Right. Um, I think <laughs> I just found this out yesterday, kind of. But I think Tully and I are a little bit alike. Uh, <laughs> in our uh, in our attitudes, mm, I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, last, last, like sometimes he'll talk to me like he's totally from '85 still. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he's not great; he's incredible. But I mean, like uh, his attitude, the way he speaks, he talks like he's totally from '85. He's got such an attitude. And sometimes I'm like, "Hey, Tully, remember? Hey, relax, brother. You're talking to me, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so. It's, it's awesome to learn from him. And I'll tell you a quick story and then I'll let you get to the next question. No, 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 please, this is please. just how we've how we learned from him every single day. Is we had an interview and um, it was about the gauntlet match that we had. And in WWE, you're taught to cut your promos and just be conversational and, and, and just speak well. Right. And so I, I was talking and uh, putting over the, the, the gauntlet match and the tag teams and you know just, just speaking and trying to be as entertaining as possible. But Tolly grabs the mic and he starts talking about the gauntlet match. He puts over the gimmick of the gauntlet match. And the, the interviewer asks, well, are you guys going to be, do you have an advantage going in last? And Tolly said, well, you know, to some people we may have an advantage. But when you get into it, only wrestlers know this. When you get into a groove, you start, out, you start out cold, but then you get into a groove and your body warms up and then you get acclimated to the match. Mm-hmm. When we come in, we're going to be cold and these guys are going to be acclimated to the match. And right there, I'm like, oh my God. First of all, he put over the gimmick match. Yep. Second of all, he put over the guys that we're working with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and now if we beat them because they're warmed up, mm-hmm. we actually look like we did something. Yeah. And, and that one moment, I was like, oh, jeez. Everybody's, so only, yeah. everybody's only seeing it from our advantage mm-hmm. and not from the disadvantage of being cold and going in there against somebody who's like in the groove. Right. He's actually texting right. me right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I, told, I told him, don't worry, we're putting you over. Oh, <laughs> tell him I said what's up. So, yeah, tell him I'm so glad someone his age can still text. Hey! <laughs> you know, is that a use technology? <laughs> Are you as big of a fashionista as, as uh, Tom? Hell no. That, you know, look, Anna, you just asked that, and he says white pants, black shirt. He, oh my god, he came up to me and he's like, I have a question. For, I'm a side story about Tully Blanchard because he's my fucking favorite. Yes. He comes up to me and he goes, hey, I got a question. And he just kind of stands there posing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's got his shirt untucked. And I'm like, what are you, what are you asking about? He goes, tucked or untucked? And I'm like, you're fucking Tully Blanchard, not somebody's fun uncle. Tuck in your goddamn shirt, you're a professional. And he goes, well, okay. He walks away and I see him later and he does like a little twirl. <laughs> he's, he's, asking, there you go. he's asking me uh, what color should he wear for the pay-per-view because we've got some uh, You gotta wear whites. Yeah. So. It's it's title match. You always well, gotta wear whites. And it's the last weekend he can wear them. Yeah. Right. Oh, Labor Day. Labor Day. Yeah. Mm. That's a good point. Mike Flynn submitted a question on our YouTube channel, tntdrama.com slash wrestling slash unrestricted podcast. All right, Mike. Cash, you said that you were a fat kid 
what inspired you to start losing weight and focus on fitness? Actually, Mike, that was, that was nice. I was a scrawny kid. Okay, so see, we're not blaming you. We're not blaming you. We're blaming Mike Flynn. Yeah, don't shoot him, Stone. Mike Flynn, I will roundhouse you. He, he must be. Around, he might be related to Jerry Flynn. He might roundhouse you. Uh, so yeah, I was a very fat kid, almost three hundred pounds fat. What? And uh, I was just. I mean, growing up in North Carolina, all you do is get fried food, and fried that's the way that. Yeah, that's the way my my family would uh, comfort us is to cook for us, and then you had to eat all your food, and then when you ate all your food, they would come over and put more on the plate. Yeah. So I was a very, very, very fat kid. Um, and I had uh, I was playing football, so I would eat even more. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was a lineman, and uh, oh, yeah, I got, you got big yeah. and so I got chop blocked, tore my ACL, went to have surgery, and uh, I'd never stepped on the scale. And I stepped on the scale, Ooh. and the guy said two eighty seven, and I was like, I'm almost three hundred pounds at five foot ten. Yeah. Oh my god! And I knew I had to make a change there, um, and so and now I still like battle with body dysmorphia mm -hmm. and like uh, image problems. terrified of carbs. So I'm afraid of food, period, because yeah. I don't ever want to go back to that. And then, you know, this is disgusting, but you got all that like excess skin right, and all that right. stuff. And all the stretch marks and right. stuff. Yeah. You're so, beautiful, brother. Well, I appreciate that. Thank We're you. We're all beautiful. We're all beautiful. Um, so I just, <laughs> yes. So I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to have a better quality of life, but also I knew that if I wanted to make it in professional wrestling, I just had to work as hard as I could, even though I never would be a body guy because of the circumstances in front of me. Uh, I knew I had to have, I had to be in some sort of shape. Um, and that's why in the matches like Dallas, I would never, ever, ever let physical specimens like Jason Jordan and Chad Gable blow me up. I'll mm. never let anybody blow me up. That's Nobody good. will ever be able to out-hustle me. Yeah, ask little Gagey's who was blown up in that match. Yeah, uh, apologize to us. <laughs> well, wow, I've never told this because he's my, he's my friend. He's my one of our best friends. But uh, do you remember the spot where we went up for the power yeah, bomb yeah, yeah. looking clothesline, but we didn't hit it? Yep. He was so blown, he couldn't <laughs> jump. Uh, he couldn't really? jump. Really? So yeah. Ca Cash had to power him up and then drop him down because he was so blown. So there you go, Gabe. Just keep working I out, boy. I could have held him <laughs> up too, but I was afraid he would come down very high on his head. Yeah. Right. So we just sacrificed You're it. Just so for him. Oh, yeah. Off smart marks. Oh shit! Yeah. Finally, <laughs> four years later, we get to tell the truth. All right, this is from uh, Caitlin Drew. You ready for this one? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Submitted on our TNT uh, Drama .com page. What is the most useless talent you have? Oh. <laughs> uh, Caitlin says that I can write backwards, like mirror writing. Thanks, Caitlin. We wow. appreciate that. That's spectacular. Mine is that I can do flips. Completely yeah. Not talent. just fists. No, he can, do, he can do all the flips, but it's useless because I came up with the gimmick, so I wouldn't have to ever flip. There you go. <laughs> I used to do flips all the time, and I made no money. Yeah. Now there you go, more, right? I make way more money. Right. So that's a pretty useless talent to have. Yeah. So take that, you fucking smart mark. Most <laughs> <laughs> useless talent. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'll do a back handspring right now if you guys want. Man, I've never thought of that. I don't want to waste any more time. Oh, no, I got one. I got one. Yeah. I don't know if you do have one. Um, I can stick quarters all the way up my nose. <laughs> Well, that's going, to, be, that's going to come that out big. on one of these that's podcasts. Though. <laughs> oh, I've never noticed your nostrils. Are They're massive. It's just my whole head is big, so it all looks proportional. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but like, it's a fun trick. It's like, yeah. hey, you got like two quarters? You can do it. And then I made 50 cents because nobody wants them Yeah, back. no one's in bad. <laughs> <laughs> I see the world's best panhandler. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Unrestricted. All my huh? talents are useful. All right. <laughs> Uh, Lisa Lentz on our TNTdrama.com uh, YouTube page wants to know what's your favorite song to sing in the show. <laughs> These are so great. These are so Oof. great. Right now? Wait, why are you laughing? I, just thinking about his favorite songs to sing. <laughs> I don't know about in the shower, but I know karaoke. Mine? Yeah. Karaoke? What are they? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, he, he's thinking of... Uh, um, Whitney Houston, I want to dance with someone, which is one of my favorite songs so to sing. Good. But so I think good. right now, so sassy, right so now, good. Right now, it's Lady Gaga, um, right? It's Lady Gaga. She's um, and I hope my wife doesn't hear this, but she is so hot too. Uh, but I'm in love with my wife, so there you we can go. still respect people. Yes. we're all beautiful. But that song, uh, "Rain on Me," uh, my so my six year old daughter introduced me to that song, and now I can't stop singing it. It's so good. Yeah, wow. that's that's my favorite mm -hmm. song to sing right now. And I don't know, what, like. It just depends on my mood, and I'll just put on like a shuffle, and whatever plays, I'll just sing at the top of my lungs. I don't know if I have a favorite to sing. Mm -hmm. It's just too hard to narrow down. Do you have a genre that you prefer? No. I, just anything? Just, yeah, some days it's Pop Smoke, some days it's Garth Brooks. It's just surprisingly yeah. my favorite genre is <laughs> country music. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, Never in a million years. That's why those uh, 
those answers were kind of like, Ooh, <laughs> Lady Gaga and Whitney Houston. <laughs> wasn't Willie Nelson. You sure you're from North Carolina, brother? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, guys, uh, thanks for your time, man. This was so wonderful. And, and it's, it's so great having you here. Man, I'm, I'm it's saying great having you here. Yeah. Well, thanks for all the kind things you've said about me. And uh, it's, I think you would agree, we say this with every uh, with every group we talk to and every person we talk to. It's so fun being here, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's a dream come true, honestly. Um, creativity uh, is at an all-time high for me. Um, and that's... Wrestling is my outlet. Wrestling is my mistress. I am infatuated with wrestling and I love wrestling. And it's done so much for me as a kid. I've said this many times, but it has done so much for me as a kid. Our ultimate reason for leaving the WWE, as much as they did for us, and as, as you know, as as much I was able to take care of my beautiful wife and my perfect daughter, uh, wrestling did so good for me. I want to do good for it. Yes. And we were never going to be able to do good for wrestling if we stayed there. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like we've got the opportunity um, to capitalize on doing something good for wrestling. Yeah. Right. As much as we'll joke about it, or we'll you know be as honest as we can when we're answering questions about our time there. I have no ill will towards WWE. Sure. Like it did so much for us that I would never have been able to do otherwise. Right. Made great money, great friends, great mm -hmm. memories. Can't be mad about that. Right. But like you said, we knew that if we wanted to be fulfilled like creatively and enjoy what, doing what we love again, we had to leave and coming here, man, it's just been a breath of fresh air. And I feel like we get to create and I feel like the company is already overachieving so, so much. Oh yeah. And hopefully, like we can get all these these minds on board and steer it forward in a, a direction that's going to be prosperous for everybody because everybody gets like ideas and everybody gets input, and that's what makes wrestling beautiful. Is this guy knows what he does best. Mm -hmm. He knows what he does best. I know what I do best. You guys know what you do best. And if you're all playing to your strengths, at some point, it's just going to be unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Good man. stuff. Man. This is so wonderful. Thanks yeah, for coming. Thanks for your guys. time. We'll do it anytime. Uh, Hell yeah. You can, awesome. you can see FTR on uh, AW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central on TNT. By the way, uh, you can subscribe to this uh, podcast on the TNTdrama.com slash all lead wrestling slash unrestricted podcast. That's the video version. But Aubrey, how can you get the audio version of this podcast? You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast for free. Woo! We release new episodes every Thursday. Mm -hmm. Lots of lots of awesome conversations. So definitely yeah. tune in, subscribe, rate, review, leave yeah. us your comments, questions. We love Unless you're a troll, them. don't leave us shit. Yeah, fuck you. Come, yeah, come okay. to us. Okay, <laughs> smart marks. <laughs> okay. So I'm Tony Shivani. I'm Avi Thanks for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Okay.